0: Hey, welcome back to the show. We're keeping it real, goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk, live here on YouTube. Welcome to everyone watching live on YouTube. Welcome to everyone listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are getting this. Today, I'm your host, as always, Omer Q. You can follow me at Omer Q. Follow us at Real Take Sports on Twitter. And let's talk about what we are going to see today as I muddle through this intro. I know I'm really bad at these improvised intros, but it's okay. That It happens sometimes. Anyway, we got a wonderful show planned for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the Chiefs and whether or not they can get back to that level of prominence, that the level of prominence they're used to going to the Super Bowl, going to the AFC Championship game. We'll talk about the NFL matchups we're excited to see, the ones we're not excited to see. We'll also talk about the Cowboys and the Buccaneers who will be kicking off the NFL 2021 season. And Donald Trump. Yes, former president Donald John Trump calling a boxing match of all things this weekend involving Peter Belford as well as Evander Holyfield. What a time to be alive, and what a time to hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever one of our daily videos is released. And it's also a good time to hit that subscribe button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. So let's keep this going, and or let's get this started, rather. And talk about the biggest news that's going to be really honestly overtaking the sports world for the next nine months. And that is the NFL, which is coming back. And it's going to come out with a bang as the NFL will kick off the 2021 NFL season. Oh, the NFL, of course, will kick off the 2021 NFL season. But let's try that one more time. The NFL will kick off the 2021 season with a matchup between the defending world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady taking on the returning Dak Prescott and the Dallas. Cowboys, how about them Cowboys? The Dallas Cowboys, of course, they're getting uh, Dak back. They're going to get Zeke back healthy. So there's a lot of, of, of eyeballs on this matchup. Tom Brady is 40 whatever years old. He's going into his, I believe, it 22nd or 20 the first or 22nd season in football. So the storylines are about how he's going to look, how is he going to do, how well is he going to throw, how is this Tampa Bay team that just came off the Super Bowl going to perform? The big question, who wins this game? And the answer, honestly, is quite simple. It is the team that has not only the star power, not only, and I'm not talking about the logo, not, not only the best quarterback of all time, the greatest quarterback of all time, but the team that brought back, I don't know, 22 starters from the Super Bowl for the first time since the 1970s? It's Tampa Bay. Right now, the line on this game is Tampa Bay by about seven points. You want to see that probably go up to about eight points if you actually want to bet on this game and make some goddamn money. But I'm telling you, it is going to be—it it is going to be like this is Tampa Bay's game to lose. The only way Tampa Bay loses this game is if they throw it away. The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have too much. They, I think the grandeur of the Super Bowl win, I think Tom Brady's play right now, the uncertainty with the Dallas Cowboys because Dallas Cowboys just lost Zach Martin for who knows how long. It could be one game, could be two games. He's on the COVID list, so he's going to be out for a certain period of time. He has to test negative. So Tom Brady and the Dallas and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have all of the momentum. They have all of the, 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 the talent. They brought back the same team, literally the same team, and got better in the offseason somehow. And I think they're, they have a chance here, not only to win this game, because I think they're going to win this game. I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say Tampa Bay 35 to 20. But I, I think they're also going to go on a bit of a run here. And I think it's going to be very surprising to some people. And the, the big question is, how well are they going to do? How, what is the ceiling for this Tampa Bay team? How good can they be this year? And answer to that is also quite simple. Not only are they going to stomp the Dallas Cowboys, not only are they going to beat the ever-living shit out of that terrible, depleted Dallas offensive line, not only are they going to give Dak some scares, but this team might very well be on its way to being the first ever 17-0 team in NFL history. And I don't think that's out unrealistic. I don't think 17-0 is an unrealistic goal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to reach. Because if you look at this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, the way it's built, they have very little weaknesses. They're built defensively. They have a very strong defense. They have enough stars in the running game. Um, they have the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And they they work to their strengths. That's one thing that Bruce Arians, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has done. He has worked to this team's strengths. He knows what Tom Brady can do. He knows what Tom Brady at times struggles with. And this team was the only team last year that, as the season went on, got better. They got better on both sides of the ball, especially offensively. The defense got better also because the offense wasn't turning the ball over as much. The offense was being more productive, was scoring more. So I think this team, given the momentum they have, given where they are right now, the way they're playing, they have, the sky's the limit for this team. And if you want to say, oh, well, you know, oh, just 17-0, it's so unrealistic. 17-0, un- un- any undefeated season in a sport, especially like football, of course, it sounds unrealistic at the get-go. It sounds unrealistic when you when you start to have the conversation. And for good reason. There's only, what? One team that's ever done it in NFL history? Only one. Only one in the modern era that's ever done it. Just so happens that one team, the quarterback for that one team, rather, plays for this team, and there he is. Tampa Tom. Tom Brady. If there's anyone who can do it, if there's anyone who can lead his team to an undefeated season in, in this year, in a, it, why not Tom Brady? The they, They're just coming off of a Super Bowl. They got better. They brought back literally everyone from that Super Bowl who started. And on top of all of that, their division got significantly weaker after the Saints lost Drew Brees. We don't know what the Panthers are going to be. The Falcons are in complete rebuild mode. The division is wide open. Those are six games that are wide open for them to take right off the bat. That's a division title for them to take. They went 11-5 last year. They— And and that was with the Saints going, what, 12 and four? Saints aren't going to go 12 and four with James Winston at quarterback. Know that. Know that. Who that? Know that. They're not going 12 and four with James Winston at quarterback. Tampa Bay is going to win this division. They're going to do it by a lot. And look, there's going to be, look, there's going to, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but if any team right now can do it, you bet your sweet Bippy, it's Tampa Bay. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think in the chat, in the comments, or what have you. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. You got daily videos every single day about various different things, including sports, wrestling, and other stuff that I want to talk about. This is basically my time, my channel that I use to vent about things I don't like. Uh, which I will get to in this podcast when we talk about the boxing portion. Uh, Things I don't like, but we'll get to that. Don't you worry. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about who else is going to be uh, in the title hunt uh, this season. But before we get to that, one thing I want to talk about is something that's very close, near and dear to my heart, and that is my Baltimore Ravens. And my Baltimore Ravens have been shafted by the football gods with injuries upon injuries to that backfield and let's get to talking about it because it has gotten me all riled up. So, let's get to it as I fix my graphic. Be sure to hit that like button, by the way, if I haven't said that already. Anyway, let's talk about it. The Baltimore Ravens have signed running back Le'Veon Bell to their practice squad after a season-ending injury took out J.K. Dobbins in the preseason finale and running back Justin Hill tore, Justice Hill tore his ACL in practice last week and will be out for the year. The Ravens were only left with Gus Edwards as the only back with prior experience going into this year, and they got Le'Veon Bell, someone who came over into the Chiefs last year and contributed a little bit, but not as much as people probably would have liked. Uh, after gaining 1,000 yards in three of his first five years in Pittsburgh, Bell has not been the same playmaker he once was. When he sat out the 2018 season, I think that he lost a lot of his luster. He lost a lot of... He's I don't want to say ability but maybe that that just threw him out threw him off. That whole year being off, a, a year away from football, it, it can be tough to come back. He's only totaled he only totaled 328 yards all of last year and that is with the Jets and the Chiefs combined in 2019. He had an opportunity to go to Baltimore in free agency, but he cho- but instead he chose not to do so. The Ravens ended up signing Mark Ingram, who by the way made the Pro Bowl in 2019 before being released this past offseason. So Ravens have a plethora of injuries at the running back position. They need depth. So what do they do? They sign Le'Veon Bell. Is this a good move for Baltimore? What I will say is I think this is a fine move for Baltimore because you're not getting Le'Veon Bell on a massive $60 million, most expensive running back in the NFL contract. You're getting... Le'Veon Bell, on a trial basis, on what is likely a minimum or minimal deal, and he's on the practice squad right now, learning the offense, doing whatever. I think this is a safe gamble for the Baltimore Ravens. It's a fine move. You need depth. Le'Veon Bell has in-game experience. He, he has experience in this division, too. So he could also you know provide not not only insights to the running backs that are there, especially the young ones that are there that, that are ahead of him on the depth chart. He could provide some some knowledge about playing in that division, playing on the different fields, because we know Heinz Field is a very, very hard place to play, especially if you're a running back. The field gets torn up very easily. So there are different things that he offers. He also offers, I think, still a lot of ability. I think a lot of people, including myself in the Bats, have slept on Le'Veon Bell's uh, ability that he has left because we saw what he did in New York. He didn't pan out well. We saw what he whatever he did in Kansas City, you know, they went to a Super Bowl, but it wasn't because of him. He was not the critical uh, part of that team that led them on that Super Bowl run. Le'Veon Bell was just kind of there. He was a back that got in there sometimes and made plays, and that's what I think he can be for Baltimore. I think Le'Veon Bell can come in, you know, like after he learns the offense, after he gets elevated from the practice squad, assuming he gets elevated from the practice squad. Le'Veon Bell can come in, and he could be a good receiving back for Baltimore, for Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. He can be, you know, another back because they like to use a lot of backs. The Ravens have been have been one of the the like highest running team in NFL in. Recent NFL history, at least, they, like they have, they had three thousand yards of rushing offense all of last year. There was there was talk this year with J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Lamar Jackson that we could see the first ever trio of one thousand yard rushers. So th- it's not that you know that there's not going to be opportunity for Le'Veon Bell. The question is. How much of that opportunity is he going to be able to take advantage of? And, you know, is he at this point washed up? I think we'll find out. I still, like I said, I stand by the fact that he is still a very dynamic runner. And he might not have the same elusiveness. He might not have the same speed, especially that he used to have. But I do think he provides a little bit of a spark and something different than that of a Gus Edwards. Something different than that of... Um, even Lamar Jackson, because Lamar Jackson's a very agile and speedy guy. Gus Edwards, they call him the Gus Bus for a reason. He runs through people. Le'Veon Bell, he can do a little bit. He's a little. He's very agile. He's not that fast, but he he still has a little bit of that truck move left. He's he's still kind of elusive. You know, he he's a one cut type of back. Like he'll sit back there, and wait for the hole to develop. Um, but again, he's not as good as he used to be. So let's temper temptation, Baltimore Ravens fans. But. Le'Veon Bell—it's it, something that can't hurt the Baltimore Ravens at this point. Um, there's other backs that are out there. I mean, Latavius Murray was also one. I think Latavius Murray, honestly, for being completely truthful, would be a much better addition to this team. However, I think this move was made either before or right after Latavius Murray was let go. So the new—so this is already developed at that point. So. You know, maybe that's something they end up doing. Maybe Le'Veon Bell doesn't even make the team. Maybe Le'Veon Bell gets cut after like you know one or two weeks, and they sign Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray comes to the Ravens and whatever. Um, but we we can see that happening. There's a lot, but I don't think Le'Veon Bell is ever going to get back to the Pro Bowl level that he was at the All Pro level, especially that he was at when he was in Pittsburgh. And the main reason for that is because and and i take no solace i take no happiness in saying this i think the running back position in the nfl today has just been it, it it's a position where you can find a lot of value in a lot of different backs a lot of younger backs late round backs it it's not a very rarely do you get a a you know first-round worthy back who is an every-down back. Like Christian McCaffrey, yes. Saquon Barkley, yes, when he's healthy. Um, Nick Chubb, yes. But I just named off three guys. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott as well. Sure. After that, the list, it gets gets really slim after that because there's a lot of people who have very similar ability. There's a lot of running backs, especially younger running backs, who are on contracts that that are team-friendly, that aren't getting paid that much, you know, so... That's why we've kind of seen a little bit of a decline, or a lot of decline, actually, in the in the value of the running back position, especially when it comes to running backs getting that second contract. So maybe maybe he is just a guy who comes in there, and he's just kind of like a practice guy. He's just another body at, at, at practice. But we'll see what he does. I think the Baltimore Ravens, though, are, are going to be fine regardless. They have Lamar Jackson. They have Gus Edwards. I think they're going to bring in someone else and we'll talk about that someone else who they might bring in a little more in depth as the show goes on. But if you haven't already, please remember to hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Anyway. So, with that being said, guys, let's move on and talk about something that is a little more serious and and involves actually one of the most prominent running backs that ever uh, graced a football field, one of the most prominent running backs, especially of the 2000s, and his name is Clinton Portis. So, and and, I, and again, this this is a very serious story. I did not even I didn't realize that this was happening until I write about it just uh, recently. So, here we go. Two-time Pro Bowl running back Clinton Portis and two other former NFL players have pleaded guilty for their role in a nationwide health benefit fraud scheme to submit false claims for payouts that and they could face up to 10 years in prison. Portis uh, and two other teammate or two other former NFL players rather admitted to participating in the sc- in the scam and where they actually scanned the league's retiree health care benefits plan by establishing a apparently fraudulent uh, endeavor Cortis is facing federal prison time after pleading guilty to his part in this, in defrauding Gene Upshaw, the former NFL player health reimbursement account. And look, this scheme was, it goes deep. It runs really deep. Apparently it fabricated claims. It made false, it had false documents. It involved nearly $4 million of, of fraudulent money or or they were, or the, the healthcare plan was scammed out of $4 million uh, of the fund it, this is a big big freaking deal. Portis made 43 million dollars throughout his career. however, he still felt the need to do this um, and it was thought that he might have lost a lot of his money due to his involvement with you know dirty managers or or, or, or bad money managers but apparently it all led to this and it is a big deal because and and I just want to get to my reaction. it is a big deal that, that this is happening to someone like Clinton Portis, who, again, made a lot of money. $40 million is, is not a small amount of money to anyone. $40 million is a shit ton of money. But it, it, it shows you how fragile not only the the lives of NFL players can be, but they're just money can be if, you, if it's not in the right hands. But this is a sad tale. It is a sad tale, especially when you're talking about, you know, you know, a, a, an NFL player, a very prominent NFL player, a well-respected NFL player, defrauding his own league, defrauding his own retirees, his own legends of the game. Because what happened here is Clinton Portis essentially defrauded NFL retirees out of their health benefits and money that was supposed to go towards taking care of them later in life. That's what he that's who he defrauded. That's the fund that he uh, took money out of. And that is, is just terrible. It is terrible. It's a terrible thing to do. It is a disrespectful thing to do to the game. Not only to the game, but to the players that came before you and even the players that you grew up playing with. Because the nfl for whatever whatever you want to say you know it can be corny but it is a brotherhood and these players they are, they are bonded by their by their whole by playing the game of football for so long together so the fact that clinton portis went out there and did this and and defrauded his own people defrauded his own uh fellow players it is it is just it, it doesn't get any lower than that to be honest with you because a lot of people can say that, oh well, you know, oh he, you know he he just he just made a mistake. Like I don't think this is a mistake. I don't know how there's a, because he one he pled guilty. He faced up to ten years now in prison, which is a big deal. But two, like you don't you don't unknowingly like defraud people out of four million dollars. Four million dollars is a lot of money to 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 take from a retirement fund. And you know, I'm not just gonna put this on Clinton Portis. There's other people involved in this as well. There, there are multiple, multiple other players who are apparently involved in what happened here. Um, so, so I, I don't want to put all of this on just Clinton Portis. Uh, you know, like there, there, there are other players like Robert McCoon, who was a guy who played for the Baltimore Ravens for a while. Um, I, I think there, there was another player, forgot his name, but th- there are. But th- this scheme apparently goes back a few years. And apparently, like, the families of the players as well, the families of a lot of players were, were contacted apparently about out-of-pocket medical expenses and those not being covered. And that's how this really came to, to a head and how people found out about this. And, man, that is, that is terrible. The, to put those families in a place where they have to pay out-of-pocket money for their health after playing the game of football for so long. It doesn't get any lower than that, man. It is it is sad to see. It is sad to see in a game where people literally throw themselves at each other at, at top-notch speed and give themselves injuries, concussions, broken bones. After all of that, to take money from those same people that you played the game with, man, it is just scummy. And I know people have money problems. I know. I, I am very sympathetic to if, if, if Clinton Portis and, and and his fellow and co-conspirators got defrauded or, or earlier on like in their careers and, and didn't have the money at the end of it that they probably should have had, that is terrible as well. but it's no excuse to do this. It is no excuse to to defraud a, a player's retirement fund, a pension fund basically uh, and, and and do this. it's n- there's no excuse. It is terrible. It is scummy. And look, I am no judge. I'm no jury. I'm not part of the jury. But it is. it just seems to me like it. it this needs to be – you need to come down. You need to come down a, a, on this and make sure it doesn't happen again because and, – and again, this is – he pleaded guilty to this. This is not a, a situation where we don't know the facts. We've seen all the facts laid out in court. This has been going on for – a while, apparently. I've I've read multiple articles about it. It is, it it is, it's actually quite shocking that it ever got to uh, this position, that it ever got to this extent. But, you know, hey, I mean, it happens. I guess it happens. Anyway, let's move on and continue talking about the NFL. And let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. This is an interesting topic that I really want to get everyone's opinion on. So please leave your questions and comments in the chat or in the comment section below and let me know what you guys think. So... Everyone is expecting the Kansas City Chiefs to get back to their rightful spot in the Super Bowl as a Super Bowl contenders and championship contenders next season. The Chiefs have gone at least as far as the AFC title game over the past three years and have gone to the Super Bowl the past two years. But that could be coming to an end. And the reason that I think that that is possible is because I think at this point the Kansas City Chiefs their, their dynasty, quote unquote, isn't over. I'm not saying that they still might make the Super Bowl this year. But what I'm saying is it's going to be especially harder for them to do, to do that this year than it ever has been before. And the primary reason for that is because of these deep runs in the playoffs that they've had so far. Now, we've seen it with other teams as well. When teams go deep into the playoffs year in, year out, it is hard to maintain that consistency for more than about four or five years, right? And they're going into their fourth year of doing this. Uh, If you look at, you know, the original Patriots dynasty, like they made the Super Bowl, uh, what was it, three or four years? And then they kind of had a little bit of a time where they would... Okay, they would make to maybe the divisional round, AFC Championship game. There'll be one and done in the playoffs, and then they had their second dynasty um, with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But there's always in that fourth or fifth year, there always comes a time where the team not necessarily takes a step back, but doesn't meet those very high expectations of making the Super Bowl or making the NFC or the title game. Uh, and it all comes down to after you go on so many runs, after you go so deep into the playoff all these times eventually it catches up with your team eventually your team is is your team gets tired teams get tired players get tired um and it's just hard to really keep up that consistency year in year out without having uh, a little bit of a step taking a little bit of a step back Um, look at the Pittsburgh Steelers who dominated in the mid-2000s for a little bit and then they petered out their injuries. You had, you know, them playing kind of down their competition before going on some more playoff runs later on. It, it, it happens to all of the great teams. The Seahawks as well. A lot of people thought they were going to go in a dynasty. And they did. They went to, what was it, two or three straight NFC title games, uh, two straight Super Bowls, and then took a little bit of a step back. And it is very hard to maintain that level of consistency. We have almost never really seen a team dominate unless you count like the New England Patriots, the second New England Patriots dynasty. That was probably the best we've ever seen. But because they made multiple Super Bowls, multiple AFC championship games, they were in it every single year. But I think it's, I think it gets harder at this point than it was when you originally came in because there's, there's the thing about injuries. The season is now longer. They added an extra game the the bye week, the, the, the bye weeks are limited too in the playoffs because only one team in each conference gets a bye week. You also have the fact that after going on these deep playoff runs, man, what's the wear and tear on the bodies of some of these players going to be? Um You also have the fact that teams traditionally are a lot more dangerous when like in their first few years that they come to prominence than they are, you know, after like they've dominated the league for a few years. Cause People figure out players to an extent. People understand, okay, what does this player like? What are these players not like? And it's not just Pat Mahomes because it's hard to figure out Pat Mahomes. It's nearly impossible, you could say. Uh, unless, e- even when you get pressure on Mahomes, you, we saw what he did in that Super Bowl. It was crazy what he, some of the things he was doing. But I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are in danger, honestly, of disappointing and not meeting those expectations because of all of these factors that I've listed out and I'm not saying oh well you know oh uh, they're going to they're not going to make the playoffs no they're going to make the playoffs they're going to win their division but they're not going to do it in the same way that they've done it in years past I think you're going to see this team be a little more fatigued than they were they're going to see some more injuries and, some, and it's going to be like a lot of like weird conditional injuries or you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, and, and and sometimes I think they're just going to be gassed. I legitimately think that because we've seen it maintaining that level of consistency. I'd say it's all blue in the face. It's difficult. Um, and I, I I think it's going to allow other teams too be, uh, to come into prominence because we have a lot of other good teams in the AFC. The AFC might be. It is definitely the the better of the two conferences, and it's the most competitive. We saw a uh, 10-win team last year in a 7-game or a 17-playoff. A 10-win team in a 17-playoff scenario not make the playoffs. That's how good the AFC was last year. So the Chiefs, for them, if they maintain that level of consistency going into this year and going into next year as well, I'll eat my hat, but I think that this year, like it's possible that they could go as far as the divisional round and be knocked off. This is when they're at their most vulnerable. When they've gone, uh, when they've gone the farthest you can go year in and year out, and they've dominated for so long. Eventually, eventually, there's going to be someone to knock them off that pedestal. The only question is, what is that team going to be, and are the Chiefs up to actually, you know, overcoming those odds? I don't know. We'll see. We will see. Anyway, if you guys want to overcome some odds, please hit that like button, hit that notification bell, and subscribe so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Um, let's move on and talk about something that I really—I don't know. I went back and forth on whether or not I wanted to discuss this, but I—I I had to. I just—I basically had to. Let's talk about Trump. Let's talk about good old Don Don Donald Trump. Um, yeah, yeah, all right, gotta prepare myself. Former president Donald Trump has signed a contract to provide commentary on the quote unquote game cast of Saturday's boxing event, headlined by Evander Holyfield versus Vitor Belford by Triller. Triller has dabbled in celebrity commentators before as snoop dogg was part of the tyson versus john uh, versus roy jones fight he also they also had a fight between ben Askren and jake paul they've been known to put on these spectacular celebrity boxing matches and the and both trump's both trump and trump jr will call the entire four fight card that includes anderson Silva versus tito ortiz and of course, the main event, which is the Evander Holyfield and Vitor Belfort fight. Trump, when asked about this appearance, says, "I love great fighters, great fights. <laughs> I can't even do this with a straight face. Uh, and then he went on to say, "I look forward to seeing both uh, both this Saturday night and sharing my thoughts ringside. You won't miss. You won't want to miss this special event." Um, I'll agree with him there. This will definitely be a special event. Uh, but President Donald Trump will be commentating a fight between Evander Holyfield and Vitor Belfort. That is something that I never thought I would be saying. But here we are. Um, my instant reaction to this was, what? And then my second reaction was, okay, this makes sense. It makes sense. Um, because, look, say what you want about Donald Trump and his presidency. Um, he He was entertaining he people will tune in i promise you this people will tune in there are going to be a lot of people who tune in by this fight for however much it is i think it's like 50 bucks or whatever that's usually how much they are but people are going to buy this fight just to hear donald trump on the call for this fight i promise you that's totally going to be the case um and look Say what you want. Again, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. I will be open and honest about it. Not a fan at all. Not a fan about his policies. Um, but the but that there, but he he is one of those guys who will make people tune in and will be entertaining, and we, we know that. And he'll probably throw in some disgusting stuff in between there. Sure, that's going to happen. Of course he would. But he, I I think. I think, look, by Triller, I wouldn't make this move. But, again, they're all about making pay-per-view buys. They're all about getting money. So th- that's, what they, that's what they wanted to do, and that's what they did. Uh, as far as is it appropriate, that's another question I got. Is it appropriate for Trump to call this fight? Um, and, I mean, it depends on who you ask. I don't know what the political views are of the people at Triller. I don't know what the political views are of Evander Holyfiller or Victor Belfort. I know there's a lot of people in UFC – who are who tend to side with Trump a lot, um, but again, I, I think this is a move that's kind of made more for the the spectacle of having the, of the former president and the character who is Donald Trump, honestly, uh, at this fight and calling this fight. People are gonna want to hear what he has to say, and whether and it's true whether they like him or hate him, they're gonna want to hear what they had to say, what he has to say. Uh, I don't think, though, it's going to be a lot of it is going to be the publicity that they want because we know Donald Trump is someone who, in a very bad way, is not afraid to say things that other people aren't afraid to say. Like, there's a difference between Snoop Dogg is calling a fight high as shit. It is funny as hell when Snoop Dogg is calling a fight and he's baked and he's just cracking jokes and reacting to fights. That is funny. It's different when you have this clown over here. Talking about you know fights and then throwing in you know whatever he's gonna throw in about elections and presidents and all that crap, Uh, so it's it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different. And again, if the if the goal for Triller was to uh, invite people and or sorry attract people to this fight, I think it's gonna work. I think people. I think this is gonna be one of Triller's uh, highest fought. fight cards because not only do you have you know the return of evander holyfield not only do you have you know tito ortiz and anderson silva you got the former president on the call which is just ridiculous but it also kind of shows you how far boxing has come as a sport because it's it's all completely based in celebrity fighting and spectacle now but that's also what's keeping the sport alive um last thing i'll say on this is uh I just want to say I I will never want to hear from after this. I never want to hear from anyone who ever claimed that, oh, sports and politics have never mixed. I never want to hear from those people because the the same people who say who said before with Kaepernick and what have you, that sports and politics never mixed before and they should never mix ever and 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 yada, yada, yada for all of those people who are going to say that, who said that then, and are going to order this fight and talk about how great it was to have President Trump on the call and blah, blah, blah. You can't say that anymore because you'd be a fucking hypocrite is what you'd be. So please uh, think about it. Think about it. Hey, look, and I'm one of those guys. Sports and politics have always mixed. It's true. Go back in history. Sports and politics have never been separate i think what people are mad about are are is honestly a lot of it is stupid a lot of it is stupid a lot especially the things surrounding colin Kaepernick what people are mad about people were mad about the fact that colin Kaepernick took a knee after consulting a a a military veteran on how to respectfully protest the national anthem And the veteran told him the best way to do it is take a knee because you're not disrespecting the people who died for the flag. So what did Kaepernick do after speaking to this veteran? He took a knee to not disrespect the military members and the veterans who died, but to bring light to an issue that affects millions of people in this country. But those same people are going to say it was wrong for Kaepernick to do that then, but for Donald Trump to be calling a fight, it is amazing. This is amazing. Spor- sports and, and, and politics. And... Fuck out of here. Done talking about this. I think I'm done talking. Honestly, this is a short show. I don't have many segments. But uh, it was fun. It was fun. I'll, pr- I'll probably do something else. We'll put out some other videos this week. Because we have the NFL season kicking off. We have a lot of other news to get to as well later on this week. But One thing that I did want to mention as we close this show is we will see the debut of Real Take Football Talk live right here on this channel, YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Again, YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Subscribe. Real Take Football Talk on Sunday morning, talking about each and every game that is going to be played on Sunday, September 12th. To kick off the NFL season, it is going to be a glorious day again. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports. You can find us on Twitter at Real Take Sports. You can also hit us up at Patreon.com forward slash Real Take Sports. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, and also be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I've been Omar for Real Take Sports. We'll see you later.